This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. Good morning to Bob Olin on this uh, February the 6th. It feels much later in the spring than it is. and Well, actually, it's winter yet, but spring arrives, I guess, middle of next month. 21st, something yeah. like that, 19th. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. It's right around the 20th, right, right there, Dave. Uh, but this is uh, quite an extraordinary <laughs> stretch of warm weather we've had wow. here. Certainly is, and it looks like it's going to continue at least for another week. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, all that rain in the forecast, half yep. an inch there. Uh, wow, I'm, I'm personally kind of glad it's not snow. It's made it pretty easy for us. Those that are involved with winter sports and, of course, the snow removal, not too happy with this season. Wow, true. But for the rest of us, uh, it's kind of a break after last year. Things kind of even out, don't they, over time? Well, we're way, (laughs) way short of snow, but I think we're above normal in precipitation. We've been getting, you know, rain around Christmas time, and now we got another rainstorm coming up here later this week. So we'll have plenty of moisture, just not snow. That's absolutely right, and not a lot of frost in the ground. Mm -hmm. Hopefully with that rain, it wouldn't hurt to... Absorb a little bit of that, of course. Uh, we're always a little concerned after the drought we had last summer. Uh, we want to make sure that we get a good uh, moisture charge. And I'm not sure. I haven't really checked it where that frost is. I haven't driven too much into the ground lately. But uh, it'll be pretty interesting going forward. Uh, managing moisture is going to be kind of a key. You know, Dave, we're going to have a little fun with this. We do have a couple of educational programs coming up, one down the loose, one up on the range. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the topics I'm putting together with a colleague of mine, uh, some strategies for dealing with some of this weather. And actually, the term I've used is embracing uh, the climate change and making it work for you. So I think uh, actually for gardeners, if we could use last year and those statistics as kind of a reference point, we, of course, came in with good moisture in the soil. And... uh, I was able to take advantage of a little bit of that personally, went down, had no idea we were going to get such dry conditions. But if you could get some of those early plants established, if you got those roots down there where the moisture was and they continued to grow down and chase that moisture, uh, we did pretty well without uh, surface irrigation and other things. So uh, I think uh, going forward, some of the strategies, I think we could expect the unexpected. How about that, Dave? I think. <laughs> Yeah, this year especially, that seems to be the key, is don't expect what you're usually getting. Yeah, so right now we're all seeing early spring going to plant in April and whatnot, and uh, who knows what's really going to come. We tend to come back to the averages, reversion of the mean, they call that, and uh, that may mean that we've got some snowy, colder conditions coming, but I really don't know. I thought by this time in February, I think the longer-range forecasts were we were going to return to more normal conditions, but mm-hmm. we've got another week of warm weather coming, so it's pretty interesting, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, in fact, uh, the I guess the monthly outlook still shows us above normal for the temperatures this time of year, so maybe the entire yeah. month is going to stay this way. Pretty, pretty interesting. It's going to be the uh, topic of conversation mm-hmm. for sure. One thing that's a little surprising to me, uh, the sugar bush has started a little early. We're starting to see some sap out of our maple trees, and uh, most people are not ready for this. I hope our commercial people are, because, you you know, there's only, they only got so much to give, typically, and you want to make sure you could capture what you've got. But, uh, uh, you know, that's so temperature-dependent. People uh, are not aware. They think that the, uh, the sap's being sucked up by the roots when we're uh, collecting sap for maple sugar season, but really that sap's up in the trees. It's driven up by colder colder temperatures, and then when we get the warmer temperatures, we get some positive pressure on the inside of the tree when temperatures get above 
Uh, certainly about freezing, we like uh, actually the kind of temperatures that you have in the forecast, over 40s uh, during the day and cooler at night. And um, I know people aren't quite ready for it, but if you've, you've got a little hobby uh, sugar operation there, you might want to capture a little bit of this sap early because I'm not sure what's going to happen a little bit later. But that sap, of course, flows down, which would make sense from the upper portion of the tree and mm-hmm. into your collection collection buckets and then of course it, it all gets reduced and uh so we've got uh, some commercial uh maple sap operation here and down in carlton county and i think they're probably set and ready for this because they can't miss it but the hobby right. collectors are are not at all sure so you know it's amazing that uh, all those sugars are produced of course uh, the previous year about nine months ago now is uh, during the middle of the season when we had those beautiful green leaves on your sugar maple trees and uh, that's that magic uh, compound called chlorophyll that, of course, takes carbon dioxide out of the air in the presence of water. And with uh, some sunlight, uh, we produce sugar and oxygen. So that's kind of the magic, uh, magical chemistry that uh, supports all life on Earth. And uh, that sugar is very evident, of course. It was produced uh, last summer in our maple sap that's going to be pulled down this year. So... Dave, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I've never experienced anything quite like this. Of course, I don't think I ever experienced a year like we had right. last year either. So, now what happens, I, Bob, uh, does the maple tree only have so much sap to give? I mean, once it's gone, it's gone. You can't tap later? Well, uh, you know, it'll store it, of course. Yeah. And if, you, if you drain it all out or much of it out, then you're not going to get that. You're always going to get some kind of a oh, flow, okay. but you're not going to get that, uh, that those real nice flow days it takes of course quite a bit of sap to get some syrup right you've got about a 40 to 50 uh to one reduction there depending on uh, your sugar content and how long you want to uh, want to evaporate it or boil it down but uh so for for a gallon of syrup you're going to have to have about 45 gallons of sap and so you need really some pretty good flow that occurs and if if you lose it at this time of year, then uh, there's not going to be quite as much later. Now, we do get some of that that does return uh, in the evenings. If we get a cold spell under the freezing conditions, that's what pumps it up out of the, the base of the roots of the tree up wow. in the upper portion. So we have a chance of doing some uh, some recharge for sure, but for the most part, uh, we're going to lose some of that. So that's why the commercial uh, operations <laughs> try to capture as much as they can when they can, and I'm sure they've got all their... Uh, evaporative lines out, and they're all set and ready to go. So they're capturing us. It's those of us, and I have a little fun with it. I tap a few trees just for a little of my own uh, use and to give a little bit away. So, uh, but we're not set up and ready to go, nor are most hobby right. folks, because we never would expect this in uh, early February, not even mid-February. This is early February, so pretty bizarre. And last year's flow came very, very late. I mean, uh, well into April. And typically we say March is the month when you're going wow. to be collecting most of your uh, your sap and then cooking it down. So it's all a little different. Uh, the times, who was it? Uh, our native son, Bob Dylan, is saying these times they are changing, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they certainly are. Well, I guess the good news is you don't have to trudge through the snow to tap your trees. Yeah, that was a problem last year. You're on snowshoes, and you right. have to dig, dig down, uh, you know, or tap someplace because you got your retaining buckets. If they're not attached to the tree, they're down a little farther. So, yeah, that was that was a real challenge last winter, of course, uh, and for the commercial folks as well. Don't have to worry about that now. No. But, uh, it'll be interesting going forward. We'll have to we'll have to track that and, and uh, see just where we're at with that 
that particular process. But it's part of the fascinating things. You know, there's so many great things about living where we do. We, we are right at that line, you know, between the, uh, the northern conifers or pine and conifer trees and then uh, the southern uh, basswood uh, maple complex, which, of course, produces uh, uh, some of the maple trees for uh, maple sap uh, production. So we're, we've got a little bit of everything going here. We've mm-hmm. got the forest kind of intermixed where you'll have uh, your native uh, white and red pines intermixed with basswood and maple. So we're right at that uh, that line uh, where we see both of those basic uh, tree species covers. So it's a pretty fascinating place to live, isn't it? Absolutely, and you just never know what you're going to get, I guess. Uh <laughs> Well, let's see. Uh, uh, Daytime is getting longer again. Five nineteen for sunset now. So I suppose the uh, house plants are starting to get pretty excited. Yeah, they are. And, and this is the time of year where you want to watch them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't want. You never want to overwater. You want to have a uh, potting soil that drains real nicely for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you, you know that that saves a lot for you. The the condition overwatering. I think people have a tendency to overwater and. When that plant isn't picking the moisture up, isn't growing actively, it doesn't need quite as much moisture. But now we want to watch that a little bit because plants are going to be picking up a little bit more right. uh, as they uh, begin to grow here and begin to develop. It's also a great time uh, if you would like to take some cuttings. Uh, this is a fun activity. Uh, and all these, you know, I call them uh, these green activities, these gardening activities, whether we're inside or whether we're outside, are really great I think for the human spirit, they're great for your kids. You can get away from the screens. We all need to get away from the screens a little bit. And uh, some of these activities are a lot of fun. You know, uh, once you kind of get hooked on houseplants and get hooked on uh, starting them a little bit, uh, you're going to be taking lots of cuttings. And this time of year, it stimulates that new growth. This is what stimulates uh, the expanding day length, stimulates uh, some of the root development. So uh, this can be kind of a fun activity and i will mention we have got uh, a couple of our master gardeners have a great project going on board uh carol christensen always oh, nice shout out for her because she's put together a good group of individuals that take cuttings they've been taking them out into our nursing homes and assisted living facilities uh i've had the opportunity to make several visits kind of a lonely place for a lot of folks so if you get the chance get out there and uh, spend a little time but our folks are in there and they're actually uh taking cuttings in and they're working uh, with an educational with their activity staffs as well and and so many of them leave with uh with cuttings which they keep uh on in for the next several years for sure they're going to take that same process and look at all the different manners and ways in which you can propagate house plants and that's going to be one of our workshop sessions coming up at our spring gardening extravaganza did it last year a lot of people enjoyed it a lot of people took houseplants home that they started and propagated and they're doing very well i've been told and i've seen a couple of them so that's one we're going to repeat this year uh back by popular demand dave so uh, one of the hands-on activities but think about that a little bit we've got a real nice handout that'll be coming with that because uh you can take the leaf cuttings stem cuttings root cuttings air layering <laughs> there's all kinds of different ways you wow. propagate uh individual houseplants and of course commercially that's the way they do it as well. Most yeah. of these are vegetative cuttings, not as much but in the houseplant realm comes from seed, more of it comes from these types of vegetative cuttings because uh, really if you get the environment right and you take the cuttings right, uh, there's something close to being foolproof. They're really pretty easy to do. Are these? Does that go for all plants? Are there certain plants that you can do cuttings on more than others? Well, uh, 
most of them, if you have one technique or another, okay, and uh, that that does depend really on the type of plant. We've got these real thick-leaved, uh, we call them glabrous plants. They mm-hmm. have kind of a, a waxy surface, and I can take a look at our Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter cactus, the jade oh. plants. Uh, we've got Hoyas, which are the wax plants by name, and they have these real thick, uh, waxy leaves that don't uh, respire a lot of moisture, and those typically we can take those cuttings and just stick them in a good uh, sterile media that drains well. Uh, it could be 50% perlite, 50% vermiculite is nice. They do it in sand sometimes, and uh, that's one particular group. So I think I think the propagation techniques depend really on uh, the the structure of the plant and the type of leaf they have. African violets are going to be a little different. Um, you know, there you can take some nice uh, root cuttings. They'll root in, they'll root in water, but uh, it's much easier to root them in a in a media as such. So we can take just the leaf stems there, stem cuttings. Uh, other things like the begonias, we actually like to pin the leaf down onto the media surface, and then we get small little plantlets that emerge from uh, actually from the leaf tissue. So they tend to term we use is differentiate. In other words, leaf tissue uh, kicks out stem and root tissue in the process. you got to keep the humidity a little up, and they'll talk a little bit about that because you don't have an active uh, root system that's transporting moisture. So you've got to uh, uh, either put some plastic over the top or find a humid spot in the house. Never in direct sunlight if you've got poly, but we have to minimize the amount of water that's lost by that tissue until we can form some roots and get some active transport of the water into the plant. So there are a number of little techniques. We'll talk about rooting rooting hormones. We've got a couple of those, some both natural. You can take some willow and use some natural rooting hormone. You can develop your own solution that way. Uh, That's kind of nature's way. That's one of the reasons why a weeping willow tree, if those branches get down in the ground, uh, they can actually, that branch tissue can actually form roots and and sucker like that for you because they have some of these natural uh, naturally occurring rooting hormones, and uh, we've got some commercial products, Homodin, uh, Rooktone 2, and so forth, that are uh, uh, kind of derived from these natural sources, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about that, too, uh, just the amount to use and how to use some of the rooting hormones. So that stimulates uh, root development from the from the stem and the leaf tissue as well. So a lot of little different techniques that go on, but basically you get the basics down, and uh, it becomes a a fun and an annual process, so you get it going right now is a great time when uh, the days are getting longer like this and the plants want to grow, and then uh, you could do it with with the holidays in mind. You could be taking uh, cuttings from your Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter cacti, and you could be taking those cuttings now, grow them out through the season, and by the time we get to the holiday season, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, and New Year's, you're going to be able to have a beautiful gift plants, which you can uh, give to friends and neighbors, and everybody appreciates that. And it really doesn't cost you anything, and you have the joy of actually propagating everything through the season. Very neat idea. And uh, all the information, again, is that on the 16th of March? That'll be on the 16th, and actually putting together some of the print material, and uh, you'll have a nice handout if you can't make it. We've got 13 workshop sessions in the afternoon. And so you have to kind of pick and choose. You get to pick about four or five of those. And All right. But we try to have some backup materials so that uh, if you can't make it to the house plant workshop, uh, you've got a nice handout that uh, was written again by Carol and her crew. Fantastic. And, uh, 
very nice uh, reference piece that goes along with that. Are you taking registrations yet, or are you still in the planning stages here? No, we actually have that up. If people like right. to take a look at the two workshops, it's up on the uh, our website, and i got to pull that. Uh, I'll give okay. that to you here. I'll pull it out of my memory so I get it right. <laughs> it's a Z, Z link, and you can take a look at uh, the programming and register online. All right. And, uh, you know, we can only handle about 200 people down in Duluth, wow. and uh, we bumped right up to that limit last year. So uh, if you definitely want to get in there, make sure that uh, you get a registration in early because uh, we never want to turn people away, but mm-hmm. we will be probably limited by the capacity there today, this year. All right. Well, we'll take a break, Bob, and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. We're at 933. And we are back. More of the Bob Olin Show, 936 now at KDAL. Bob, we are just over a week away from Valentine's Day, and uh, <laughs> people usually get, you know, maybe some pretty cut flowers, a bouquet or whatever. Uh, give us some info on how we take care of that, that cut flowers and keep them lasting. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, we have more and more interest in uh, cut flowers now being mm-hmm. produced locally. Uh, some of the uh, potted plants are still produced locally here. Ah. We've got some pretty big operations down in the Twin Cities. So you might consider, in addition to the possibility of cut flowers, uh, certainly a potted um, right. blooming plant is real nice. It'll last just a little bit longer. Right. And, of course, cut flowers, you can put a little solution in it that keeps the vascular tissue open. And that usually is provided. And, ah. Uh, cool and uh, indirect light. You don't want anything warm. don't want them in the sunny uh, southern windows, uh, anything uh, where you're just a little cooler and a little uh, mid-light, I think, is is just fine for those. But uh, just a couple little things to allow them to last just a little bit longer. But so they're not growing again, anymore. You don't want them in the sunshine to grow. They're, they're not no, growing. Yeah. That's why they call them cut flowers. Ah. <laughs> and a lot of these, of course, are, are coming in from uh, points farther south. Central mm-hmm. and South America have really developed that industry pretty extensively and uh, so that uh, fills in here midwinter for us but we are seeing uh, more and more local uh, cut flower production we do have one segment uh, i mentioned our program down here in duluth we do have a, a segment uh, we're doing another program in mount iron that's a little later in the month of march march 28th that'll be at the mount iron community center and there we do have a speaker that's going to speak on on cut flowers and uh, i'm working with them on developing a little material we might have that as handout in our reference material for the program in Duluth. But that's Peter can make it down here for that. Okay. So we're going to, but that's available up in Mount Aaron, and that's become, uh, cut flowers have become a pretty uh, interesting and, uh, and fashionable activity right now. So lots of stuff as we look forward into the uh, into the growing season. We're calling, uh, the theme that we've got this year is Color Your World. We're taking a look at the science of color. There's an awful lot of interesting uh, material out there on color. Uh, it's a big part of our our world, our natural world initially, and then uh, now, of course, uh, with video screens and high-def television and everything mm-hmm. else, it's very significant. But uh, color in the, in the natural world has uh, some real interesting uh, implications. Uh, we've talked about, mentioned chlorophyll, this great green pigment. It uh, reflects the green portion of the spectrum and absorbs everything else. That's where the energy is coming from, the light. That's the original solar cell, you know, Dave, there, where the uh, ah. the green green plant picks up all that energy and converts it into uh, into sugars, but that energy comes from the portion of the light that it doesn't reflect. The green part ah. gets reflected. Uh, the reds and the violets and the yellows, they all get absorbed by the underlying pigments, and 
and that's where the energy comes from that that builds uh, the plant tissue and ultimately forms the sugar. So we've got this great process going on, and uh, oftentimes these, we'll take a look at the maple tree again as an example, lots of chlorophyll out there. That's the green pigment during the growing season, and of course, not a real stable pigment. When the light gets low and temperatures drop, the uh, green pigment breaks down, the chlorophyll breaks down, and underneath you will find the carotenoids. These are the uh, the red and the orange, typically, and yellow pigments that are underlying the green pigment. And actually, the fact that they are absorbing this heat actually uh, protects some of the chlorophyll. So it's it has a natural um, importance to the plant. And that we want to think it was just there for our own uh, enjoyment in the fall season, but actually it has a very specific role. And that's about absorbing energy for the plant and also absorbing energy so that it, uh, the chlorophyll is not damaged on those hot days because it's the chlorophyll, the green pigment, that's so central and important to producing sugars. So there's a lot of talk about what we call phytonutrients. These are the, uh, the anthocyanins in blueberries and the uh, carotenoids in carrots and the lycopenes in tomatoes. These are all individual, very, very colorful pigments, and they all have significance, and uh, they have significance for the plant they are there to really protect the plant in so many ways as well as absorbing the energy that it needs but as we consume these in fruits and vegetables and we're all kind of aware that uh, we should be upping our fruit and vegetable consumption and um, they actually have a protective uh, effect uh, for uh, human food and human consumption as well so it's really pretty neat process and it all goes back to these very very dynamic and and colorful pigments so we're going to talk a little bit about the science of that Uh, i'm working on developing uh, another workshop uh, with two of our master gardeners that are interested in in making vegetables taste good i want to make them the center of your plate instead of something you feel you have to eat or something (laughs) eat your (laughs) vegetables get no (laughs) treat we've all heard heard that I will share my experience. You'd sit down at the dinner table, meat and potato family, traditional, and a plop of green beans there that had been overcooked for 30 minutes and tasted terrible. Most kids didn't want to eat those. I was in that category. So we're going to turn that around, and we're going to try to make them taste good. Lots of great ideas, including growing some of your own herbs, growing your onions, growing your, your garlic and other things to season them up. So... I'm going to try to put something together with the help of uh, some of our master gardeners on uh, making these uh, the centerpiece of the star and something that you really want to consume because they taste just so great. So, and that'll help people a little bit. We also have a few other techniques. So while we're gardeners, uh, ultimately in the vegetable and fruit garden, we want to be good uh, consumers and want to put something delicious on the plate. So we've got a workshop session down in Duluth on that topic as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. And as you mentioned, uh, the colors aren't normal colors that you usually see. you got these weird colors now in, in cauliflower and, and potatoes and what have you. Yeah, the breeders, uh, I think color is very attractive. It helps sell product. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that they had nutrition necessarily in mind, but we are seeing <laughs> uh, more color everywhere. And actually, this is extremely beneficial because you know the the old expression is go ahead and eat the rainbow you want to eat all those colors mm-hmm. uh, when you get into the chemistry behind these it's in the metabolic pathways it's very complex stuff 
And uh, I don't think uh, you could necessarily say you eat tomatoes for the lycopene and you, you know, you'll prevent certain types of cancer. There's that thought process out there. But, boy, getting cause and effect on one particular compound, as I've dug into some of the papers, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. But what we do know is that a diet that's rich in colorful vegetables uh, is beneficial, and it does prevent many of the uh, chronic diseases, and we do need to consume some more. So just... Yeah, eat a little bit of everything, eat the rainbow, eat all the different colors, and enjoy it in the process. Eat it because you enjoy this, and rather than uh, something they feel that you have to do it in the process, uh, you're going to be healthier as a result of that. So we're going to take a little bit of that research, and then we're going to look at the aesthetics, the beauty associated with color. I'm very pleased, Adam Swanson, great local artist that put the uh, butterfly mural up on the Rotunda building down at the depot beautiful beautiful mural it'll be there for a long long time i think he told me he spent three months uh laying that out and painting it there was a competition for uh for that mural he won the competition and then with some of his initial designs but it took him actually about three months to paint that and install that he's going to talk a little bit about the aesthetics i know nothing about that i do appreciate good art but i had to bring a good local artist he does some really really nice work and he's going to be fun to work with he'll be one of our keynote speakers down in Duluth on March 16th as well. So you can uh, you can take the colors and you have those principles of matching colors and you can do it with your plant materials as well. Yeah. Have they come up with any different colors for tomatoes for instance? They're pretty much red or green I suppose, but uh, have they come up no, with any been... colorful tomatoes? <laughs> yeah, they haven't. You know, a lot of really? these are actually the heirlooms. We've got purple, lots of purple uh, oh, boy. tomatoes out there and we've got the orange and we've got uh, certainly different uh, different shades of uh, of yellow as well. So okay. there's a lot of a lot of variability there. Uh, I'm looking at the peppers. A lot of variability there. Mm. Of course, all green peppers. If you've got a long enough season and enough warmth, will uh, turn color, and that's typically yellow, orange, purple. Right. There's some uh, magentas in there as well. And uh, we've got a new all American introduction. Couple of them actually to show you how trendy this is. Uh, one of the All-American winners, it's a national winner, meaning it grows uh, throughout the United States, performed very well at Trial Gardens North, South, East, and West. Uh, there's one called Purple Magic, the first uh, purple broccoli, not cauliflower. We've had that close <laughs> for a couple of years, yeah. but the first uh, purple broccoli. So your broccoli is extremely nutritious. It does have some of these uh, cancer-preventing compounds, the sulforaphane, sulfur compounds that are common to all the cabbage family. That's why sometimes when you're cooking cabbage, it doesn't smell all that great. These are these sulfur compounds, but they're also very protective of the cell structures. So you put this purple anthocyanin, which is the antioxidant in blueberries, you put that on top of a broccoli, and you've got even a more nutritious crop. So... We're looking forward to trying some of these. That was a new introduction, trying to get my hands on a little bit of seed. But if we could do that, we'll be able to report on that firsthand. So you're right, Dave. Uh, lots of color, lots of new introductions. And I'm not so sure that the breeders were thinking nutrition. I think they're thinking something really appealing in terms of color. But the added bonus is you get this uh, this real nice additional uh, boost in nutrition on some of these very colorful vegetables, Dave. All right, we'll take another break, Bob. It is 9.47, and this is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. 
And we are back. More of the Bob Olin Show, 948 now from uh, KDAL. You know, if you got a question, give us a call, 218-722-0839. Bob, uh, let's see. you got uh, everything ordered uh, already to get planted already? Well, I'm still in the process. I'm <laughs> waiting, actually, for uh, I've got a couple of uh, seed suppliers. And right. I know they got plenty of business, so they're a little slow getting their catalogs out. And mm. uh, But nonetheless, so they're not worried about it because... Uh, they know they got some things other people don't, so I'm still waiting for a couple of things. You know, Dave, I, I will give you, you ask for the contact. You can uh, yes. you can just, uh, you know, Google, if you like, St. Louis County and look for extension Farm and Garden. There's a tab on the left, Farm and Garden, or I can give you a Z-Link, and uh, this will direct you right to the program. That's Z.UMN for University of Minnesota, dot E-U forward slash. Now, this is for S, uh, it's SLC in capital letters, St. Louis County, and then Garden. So z.umn.edu forward slash SLC Garden. It'll come up right away. You can see the program. You can register right there. Or you can call um, uh, certainly 218-733-2870, or if you're on the range, 218-749-7120. So... Uh, lots of different ways to get some information, but it's all up there for you, and we'll be talking about it again. Really looking yeah. forward to the, uh, this program down in Duluth. We've got, uh, I don't know, I'm dealing with an awful lot of speakers, I think 12 <laughs> or 13 different speakers wow. and all kinds of stuff that they're producing and uh, trying to get that all printed for the program. And if You're going to have to expand this to a multi-day event at some point, Bob. Well, we might have to. <laughs> we might be limited a little bit on the... Uh, I suppose the space yeah. we have. So, if in fact uh, you are interested, and we'll just share it with our with our listeners here, I would register this year because I'm a little concerned. We can only mm-hmm. handle so many folks, and we're down in the depot, and uh, we can only handle so many folks in our breakout rooms. So, uh, if you're interested, get on that Z link and uh, <laughs> register now. Then you won't have to worry about. It. You're going to get right. a hot lunch with it. Uh, wow. It's going to be good. You're going to get refreshments. You're going to get the book where. Busy writing, and we'll be printing soon. Uh, full color, that's always over 100 pages of good content for folks, so you get a lot with the day, and you also have a good time just uh, socializing with all your fellow uh, gardeners in the region. And again, the best way, I guess, is to Google St. Louis County. Now Google St. Louis yeah, County extension. extension. Look, look for farm and garden. There's there you go. A, lot of, a lot of different uh, content on there, but look at the farm and right. garden tab, and that'll get you there for sure. Very good. How's your Christmas tree doing outdoors? <laughs> well, my Christmas tree—it uh, looks a little bit tough, right? At the oh end, to boy! Be honest with it, it well, it's getting plenty of moisture now. I hope. But <laughs> well, the snowbank it was in uh, oh. isn't very supportive at the moment. I got gotcha. you. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, very little snow in town. I'm kind of a uh, kind of amazed driving around. This is a—it's uh, an extraordinary uh, set of circumstances. It'll be interesting as we go forward here, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe we'll have to do some programs. We'll watch uh, snow temperatures. Or we'll watch uh, soil temperatures, of course. Yeah. Put a put a spade in there and see if it's frozen or not. I guess that's the key. Yeah, I I got to do that. I know I I was out uh, covering <laughs> garlic because uh, on I think it was Christmas Eve and mud boots and halfway up my calf in mud. Oh boy! And uh, raining with a raincoat on, so the, that was very memorable. I did mm. not anticipate that, but at that point there was no frost in the ground. Got a little snow. Wow. I don't think there's much there at all. 
which actually is beneficial because yeah. we're gonna we're gonna hold that moisture and hold that rain, and we don't have to worry about flooding and and so forth. It's typical in the spring, so um, it's not all bad. It's just extremely unusual, and we hope that uh, we don't have an intensely warm summer. There's such a thing as uh, good growing temperatures, but uh, we don't want it too hot either. So, uh, and what about the uh, what about the bulbs you put in in the fall? Are they in danger of popping out early? Well, that's a possibility. If you got a mulch in, uh, the, oh, okay. the nice thing about mulch is it, it holds those colder temperatures in. I am just a little bit concerned. It'll be interesting if mm-hmm. you don't have real good drainage. I've got some in uh, some heavier clays and heavier soils. I, we might experience a little bit of rot there, both on garlic and on oh. your tulip bulbs. So once again, and... Uh, one thing we are going to uh, be discussing is how you manage water. That's both ways, how you supply moisture when you need it, and then how you get uh, better runoff and better drainage uh, when we have too much because we uh, have experienced these extremes. Like you mentioned, we had a drought last year, and then all of a sudden we hit September, and we had uh, so much rain and then rain through the rest of the year, so our precipitation is actually above average. Is that correct, Dave? I think so, yeah. And the snow is way yeah. below, obviously, but precipitation itself is either average or above average. And we're only going to be adding to that with the, the rain that's in the forecast. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, people predict if you can do it with a smaller garden plot, we want to think about both how we can supply moisture when it gets dry and then how we could drain off that extra moisture uh, when it's real wet. So I think things can be... Uh, and I've used that term, we're going to embrace these climate changes, we're going to embrace this, uh, the extremes, because we've got plenty of light up here, and we're having moderating temperatures, extended growing seasons. It could be really a premier place to do a lot of uh, very, very good growing, uh, provided we're ready uh, for some of these extremes, which I would anticipate will continue. We can't say when it's going to happen, but I think we'll probably have rainfall events, and we'll probably have droughts and dry events it's never quite perfect and we don't know what time of year or or what portion of the season this might occur in but nonetheless i think we can make it uh, work to our advantage we do have more light than the rest of the world in summer months so uh, that's a real nice advantage that we do have because it's light in the presence of chlorophyll that that drives all this green plant growth like you said embrace the changes but just don't count on them because (laughs) it'll probably (laughs) change again I'm not going to forecast anything, (laughs) for sure. The only thing I'll forecast is it's probably uh, we're going to, we won't know what to expect, and we'll probably, uh, (laughs) we can expect the unexpected again this year. Pretty interesting times. All right, Bob, again, uh, March 16th at the depot. You can register now. Just uh, Google uh, St. Louis County uh, Extension, and and uh, that'll help out. Farm and, farm and garden camp yeah. there. That's, that's the important thing. And the Mountain Iron and one is what, March 28th? Is that available March to register for? That is as well. Okay. Uh, different programs. You can take right. a look at them, different speakers, and uh, we'll have uh, good content at both, and we really have uh, a very, very nice time uh, at both, and you can take just a little look. Uh, the event in March has a uh, early bird special. Mm. They're trying to get registrations in a little different uh, earlier to get a food count, and uh, so there's uh, some incentive to register early there. got to be done by February 25th. But if you want to make the trip, we have a lot of listeners actually up on the range as well, so it's, it's very close for many of them. We're going to have a good time, good speakers, a lot of good content, a lot of which we've developed here based on uh, the requests from people. I'll 
give you an example, Mount Iron, we had all kinds of people that wanted a discussion on garlic. That's going to be featured. They wanted a discussion on onions. Uh, I've grown lots and lots of onions over the years, and so we put together a new content, wrote uh, reference material for both topics. So uh, those are going to be a couple topics that are going to be of interest to people, certainly uh, on the range, for sure. All right, Bob, we'll catch you again next week on the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day next week. My pleasure, Dave. Take care now. 9.57, the Bob Olin Show on KDAL.